Welcome to the Travel Therapy Mentor Podcast, your number one source for travel therapy information and education, hosted by travel physical therapist duo Jared and Whitney. Join us every other week on Facebook Live to learn about a new travel therapy topic or listen to the replay right here on our podcast. If you're new to travel therapy and ready to get started, contact us to get connected with the travel therapy recruiters and companies we recommend by visiting TravelTherapyMentor.com slash recruiters. Again, that's TravelTherapyMentor.com slash recruiters. If you're ready to remove the guesswork and jumpstart your travel therapy career, let us teach you step-by-step everything you need to know to get started and to be financially successful as a traveler by enrolling in our comprehensive travel therapy course titled Becoming a Financially Successful Travel Therapist. You can visit TravelTherapyMentor.com course and use the discount code TRAVEL to save $150 on our course. Again, that's TravelTherapyMentor.com course and the discount code is TRAVEL. And if you're looking for the best way to get your CEUs online as a traveler who's always on the go, you can use our discount code to get the best rate on an annual MedBridge subscription, which is where we get all of our online CEUs. Use code FIFTHWHEELPT, that's F-I-F-T-H-W-H-E-E-L-P-T, for the discount, all one word. And last, if you're interested in getting started with credit card hacking to take advantage of free or low-cost travel like we do, check out our top credit card recommendations for travelers at TravelTherapyMentor.com credit. Again, that's TravelTherapyMentor.com credit. All right, and now on to this week's episode. Hey guys. Hey everybody. Welcome to another Travel Therapy Mentor video. Tonight we're going to be talking about credit card rewards and travel hacking for travel therapists. This is something we've been doing since we started traveling. We've gotten a lot of value out of credit card rewards. Um, we've gotten a lot of free flights, free hotels, uh, cash back, all kinds of good things from credit card rewards. So we're going to talk a little bit about that <clears throat> and hopefully give you guys some information on how to do something similar to what we've done with credit cards over the years. So Whitney's gonna introduce us and I'm gonna get this video shared in a couple groups. All right, hey guys, thanks for joining. My name is Whitney Aiken. And I'm Jared Kazaza. And we're both Traveling Doctors of Physical Therapy. A lot of you guys may know us from our Travel Therapy Mentor page or our Fifth Wheel Physical Therapist blog. Um, I know we have a lot of new followers this past week, um, especially in our Healthcare Travelers on Fire group. Um, a lot of you guys have joined that are of other healthcare disciplines too. Um, I know a lot of you guys are therapists, but we also have a lot of new nurse followers um, and other healthcare disciplines. So we wanted to recap this topic that we've talked about in the past before. Um, we've you know done tons of videos over the years. We've been doing these videos, I think for like three years now. Uh, we've been traveling therapists for six years, over six years. And uh, for those of you guys who may not know, Jared is really into the finance realm, um, financial independence. We've both used our careers as traveling therapists to be able to pursue semi-retirement and financial independence. And um, we've also traveled quite a bit for leisure. We've been to 31 countries so far to 49 states. And credit card hacking is one big way that we've been able to do all of that um, and be able to travel frugally, travel for longer periods, and travel often. Um, so we hope to give you guys some insight on that tonight for those that are wanting to learn more. Um, we'd also love to hear from you guys because I know a lot of you guys are also in the, in the uh, credit card hacking game and the travel hacking game to some extent. Um, most of you hopefully utilize credit cards to your advantage in, in one way or another, but maybe you're looking to up your game or learn a little bit more about it. And then of course, there's probably a lot of you guys that are on the flip side of that that maybe have some credit card debt and you're looking to pursue 
financial independence, get out of credit card debt, and start using credit cards more to your advantage instead of getting taken advantage of by them. So we hope to touch on some of those topics tonight. Um, but as we're getting started, those of you guys that are watching live on Facebook, we'd love if you'd say hello in the comments. Say hi, let us know what your discipline is. Are you a therapist? Are you a nurse? Are you a, um, a PT and OT and SLP? Are you a student? Um, we'd love to know if you're a current traveler or if you're somebody who's just thinking about traveling. And we'd also love to know about your credit card experience. Are you already doing this or is it brand new to you and you know nothing? Um, it's just really good to know who our audience is so we can help to answer questions for you guys and teach you a little bit more about this. Yeah, so first I wanna give some, uh, like an intro to my experience with credit cards. So I was a, the weird kid that was like, learned about travel, or basically like learned about credit card rewards back when I was 17 or so. And I was the one that was like planning out which card I was gonna get when I turned 18. Because I saw like, oh, I spend this money, I have the money to spend, why not get cash back on it? Back in that day though, I didn't have that much money. I was, I was working like minimum wage job. So I never did any like the big credit card spending bonus, uh, sign up bonuses. I did like really small ones, like $50 cash back, and then I would just use the card for my everyday spending and get like one or 2% back, and I was really excited about that. When we graduated in 2015 and we started making money, that's when I decided that I was really going to try to optimize things to get free flights, free hotel stays, and make some extra money with credit cards. In that first year, um, so I'd say probably from when I was 18 until PT school graduation, I might've gotten about 10 cards with sign-up bonuses. That first year of graduation, our working careers, I got, what was it, 18? I think. Yeah, 18. 18 cards in that first year. So that was a really busy year. Got a ton of points and bonuses that way. And since then, I've slowed down a little bit, but I've gotten about 42 new cards, four sign-up bonuses um, since 2015. So, Which is crazy, right? Like crazy. that's a ton. And uh, we're gonna get into talking more about that and how you know you guys don't have to go crazy with it like that, but there's definitely like the extreme, it can be done. You can make a lot of money off these credit card companies if you're using them correctly, but we wanna to talk to you guys about those different strategies. Um, so again, like why are we talking about this? So we're definitely, um, hopefully at this point, kind of known in our space for being more like the financially savvy travelers. We talk a lot about that stuff. We, we definitely wanna teach you guys about the general travel healthcare stuff, the housing, the pay, all that, but we also talk about investing quite a bit and just different financial strategies that we've utilized and that we see a lot of other travelers utilizing because we're in a really good position as healthcare travelers to um, not only make a lot of money, but when you make a lot of money, how can we take that money then and put it to use in a good way? The other reason this is really applicable to travelers is because of our flexible schedules, the way that we can have contracts and then take time off between contracts, we're really well suited to travel often for leisure and even take longer trips. So um, I know a lot of our travel healthcare friends will take you know two, three, four, six weeks off between contracts. Um, we sometimes take, we really don't even work full time anymore. Um, we're taking more like six to nine months off per year. Um, and we definitely have taken like full trips to Asia and Europe for four or five months at a time and utilizing credit card rewards to be able to like travel hack and do those long trips is a huge advantage of being a travel healthcare provider. Almost all travelers are really adventurous people. They do a lot of traveling obviously for work, but also almost every traveler we know also does a lot of exploring in between contracts and being able to save money with credit card rewards either in the form of free flights, free hotels, that can be very valuable. Uh, we found it to be very valuable. We know a lot of other travelers that do as well, and uh, hopefully you guys can do um, learn and 
and make it valuable for you as well. Yeah, so as we get ready to dive into this, um, just want to give a shout out to those of you guys that are watching live. Hi, Lorena. Hi, Jalen. Jalen's a pre-PT student. Wow, you're really looking into this early, Jalen. Glad to hear from you. Hey, Suzanne. PT in the process of getting started for her first contract. That's awesome. Hey, Laura. Hey, Shannon. Hey, Hannah. Hey, Holly. Uh, Holly's an RN, a current travel nurse. Paid off her credit card debt and is ready to start making money off of them. Congratulations, Holly. So proud of you. Because um, I know you're not the only one in that situation. So hopefully all of us travelers can help ourselves get into a better financial situation and start making uh, more money. Hey, Cecilia, um, student physical therapist. Hey, Nate. Hey, Joey. Hey, Dewana. Hey, Nadine. I'm an occupational therapist. I'm not yet a traveler, but I want to start. Hey, Nikayla. Hey, Demetrius. Hey, Nicole. Hey, John. All right. Hey, Nick. Armand. What's up, guys? If anybody else is watching live, please just comment below. Let us know where you're at in this whole journey. Let us know what questions you have. We'll answer your questions um, either as we go or toward the end of the video. Yeah. So preparing for this video, I went back and added up all those credit cards, like I mentioned, how many I'd gotten. I wanted to add up how many points I'd gotten, how much money I'd made off of them. We'll talk a little bit about that later. But one of the things we were talking about when preparing for this video was what rules would people follow that wanted to get into credit card rewards? And we came up with five rules that I think are probably pretty good for most people. If you abide by these five rules, you probably do very well. The first rule is that you can't have credit card debt. So if you have credit card debt, get rid of that debt first. We'll go more in depth into these rules later, but um, it, you're never gonna come out ahead if you're carrying balances from month to month. So along with that, rule number two, never carry a balance or pay interest on the cards. So we, I've gotten 52 cards over my lifetime. Whitney's probably gotten somewhere in the 20s or 30s. So we're closing in on our 100 cards between us. We have never paid interest on any of the cards because we pay the balance in full every month. We just take advantage of the sign-up bonuses and the, the cash back or, or the um, continual point earning of the cards. Number three, sign-up bonuses are always gonna be the best bang for your buck. So you can get the residual uh, rewards from the credit cards from the spending, but the sign-up bonuses are usually huge and that's where you'll get most of your value. So if you can optimize the sign-up bonuses and uh, you know, space them apart and mainly be working on a sign-up bonus at all times, you can make the most money that way from credit card rewards. Number four, be strategic with the cards that you sign up for and the order that you sign up for them. So that is things like uh, make sure that when you sign up for a card that it's actually a good offer for that card. Card offers change periodically. Sometimes they'll be really good. Sometimes they won't be as good for the same card. So make sure when you sign up for a card that it's actually a good offer for that card. And also you have to take into account things like some rules that different credit card companies have for whether or not they will approve you for a card. And then number five, avoid credit card annual fees when possible. So sometimes it's not possible to avoid the fees and still get these bonuses, at least for the first year, but when at all possible, avoid those fees because they add up. So um, if you abide by those five rules, uh, I think you'll probably be in pretty good shape. Yep, and we're gonna go into greater detail on how you guys can make these five rules work well for you. Um, but first, just a little bit more background about us and like how we got to the point that we're at currently. Um, so as Jared mentioned, he had started researching a lot about finance back when he was a teenager and learning about ways to use credit card rewards. And back then he was just using them for like cash back. He was like, wow, I can get like 2%, 3% on my groceries and my gas, like why not? My story about um, credit card history was quite different. Um, I grew up with family members who had gotten themselves into credit card debt and I didn't really have much financial knowledge, never really had any interest in learning. So I always thought credit cards were just bad. And so um, having the benefit of like learning that for my family in a way, I was just like, I'm not gonna 
mess with credit cards. Like in my opinion, back when I was a teenager and then coming into college and everything, I was like, I'll just use my debit card. I'm not gonna worry about getting a credit card because it's only gonna get me into trouble. And it wasn't until I met Jared when we were in graduate school that he started teaching me about the positive ways that you can use credit cards. And since then, it's really changed the game for me um, and for both of us. Yeah, so like I said, I've had 52 credit cards in my lifetime, 42 in the last six years or so. Uh, at one point I signed up for 18 in a year, which you guys might have some questions about that. Um, and here's the crazy part. So in total, all of those credit cards, at least since 2015, when I really started keeping track of all this, I've earned a total of 1 point, or 1, 580,000 points and about $3,000 in value from the, uh, from the cards themselves. So that's things like cashback bonuses and stuff like that. But 1, uh, 1, 1,580,000 points is a ton of points and that's a, a variety of points, everything from Chase points, MX points, Hilton points, American and Airlines points, um, a ton of different points, but we've gotten a lot of value from that. Um, some of the highlights of like what we've used those points for, when we took our around the world trip in 2018, we spent about four months in Asia and we used 16 free hotel nights there. So we crashed in points for 16 free nights. Uh, and then 2019, when we were traveling around Europe for four months, we got 26 free hotel nights there. In Europe. In Europe. 26 free hotel nights yep. in Europe. And then uh, a really big thing of how we've gotten huge value from these points, we have never flown internationally at this point and paid for it. We've always used points. We've never paid out of pocket for an international flight. And you might think, oh, that's not a big deal, but we fly, we've flown round trip to Jamaica, Aruba, um, Europe, uh, Asia. Asia, there was somewhere else. Um, Mexico. Mexico. So we've, we've done a lot of international travel. We've never paid out of pocket for those tickets, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, really, this has just changed the game for us in, in our ability to be able to travel really cheaply. Um, people see that we go to all these places and travel for like five months and they're like, you must be spending a fortune. But Jared writes expense reports about everywhere that we've been on our blog at fifthwheelpt.com um, under the finance section or not under the finance section, under the travel um, sections. He writes blog posts about everything and we really don't spend that much money because of things like um, airline miles, hotel points, and then we also stay a lot at Airbnbs to save money and we use other strategies um, in regards to like food and activity costs too. But I would say, you know, a lot of times when you're traveling internationally, the flights are some of the biggest expenses that you're going to have. So the fact that we've been able to utilize credit card points to get free round trip flights to Europe for both of us and free round trip flights to Asia is huge. So we hope to be able to teach you guys more about those strategies so that when you get the opportunity to take time off um, between contracts, you can also fly for cheap or for free to other places. All right, so let's go into more detail about those kind of five rules that we talked about, and that'll teach you guys more about how you can get started on this path too. Yeah, you wanna read some comments first? Yeah. Um, we got a bunch of comments. Yeah, we got a bunch of comments. And, and as we're questions. going through these, uh, if you could like this video, we'd really appreciate it. It shows it to more people. Um, you know, it helps more people see the video, which is always a good thing. Awesome. Um, Cecilia says she's wondering about being able to get a card as a student with zero income. That is a really good question, Cecilia. We'll talk a little bit more about like beginner cards versus like the later signups because you can't just always qualify right away, right? Um, but we definitely had that same experience. I started getting my first credit cards when I was a graduate student with no income as well. Um, Laura says she was also in the same place of just using a debit card. I'm 26, I have never had a credit card. A couple times I applied, I was denied um, because of being a student. So that same type of question, we are gonna address that. Um, not sure where to start. So we're gonna definitely talk about that. And we're actually gonna give you guys a few specific recommendations. We started um, a page on our Travel Therapy Mentor website where Jared will post about different 
um, offers that are out there, that website is at traveltherapymentor.com slash credit. And we're gonna go over at, toward the end of the video after we talk about the strategies, the specific offers that are out there right now. Okay, Suzanne wants to know, does your credit score get affected? We're definitely about to talk about that, Suzanne. Uh, Lorena says, I'm a CODA in Texas. It's been over two years since I have done travel. Wants to know about the assistant market. Um, Lorena, check out our video from two weeks ago. We just did one about the November travel therapy job market, and that will answer all your questions about the job market. All right, and Lena says she's a PT for 14 years and wants to start traveling, and Abby is a current traveler. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining. Definitely ask any questions. We're going to address those ones that you guys mentioned. All right, so going more into detail about those five rules, the first one, like I said, can't have credit card debt. So that's a big thing because if you're carrying a balance from month to month and you're paying interest already on credit cards, signing up for more cards is not going to be the right answer. The first thing you have to do is make sure that your income exceeds your expenses and pay down that debt. Once you get to no credit card debt, then that's the point where you think about credit card rewards. Don't really look into it before that. Or if you think that there's a chance that you might not pay the bonus or uh, sorry, pay the, the payment because the, the bonus is never going to be worth more than uh, the interest that you accumulate over time. Yeah, so, the interest is super high on credit cards. It's, it's often like 22 to 25%. Especially on the rewards cards, they're usually higher. Um, so you have to be really smart about that. So don't carry um, credit card debt. Make sure you pay that off first. Second, never carry a balance, same thing. Uh, you do not wanna be paying interest on these cards. The interest rate's high. You have to avoid that at all costs. So if you think that there's a chance you won't pay the balance, then don't start signing up for these cards. Yep, so basically you have to pretend like your credit card is your debit card. You just only spend the amount of money you would normally spend on your normal groceries, your normally normal bills, your normal activities. Don't go out and make big purchases thinking that you can just put it on the credit card and you know pay it off later. You need to pay your statement every month. And for me, I often will pay it more often than every month just because I'll get nervous that I'm gonna like get a late fee. You can also set up auto pay on your credit cards to make sure it's gonna pay. Um, on time and you won't ever get any late fees or accumulate any interest. But the bottom line is just make sure you're not spending more than you have to spend. Yeah, that I would really recommend setting up auto pay. That kind of takes a, a little bit of, it eases your mind a little bit so you're not thinking about that all the time and just make sure that you have the money in the account and it'll automatically pay the statement balance and then just don't worry about it. That's uh, that's what I've done and that, that really helped because in the beginning I would just make sure to pay it. Like Whitney said, sometimes I pay multiple times in a month just to be sure that I wasn't going to accumulate any interest, but if you just have auto pay on, then that really eases your mind. Yeah. All right, so the third rule um, that we came up with is you're gonna get the most bang for your buck by doing sign-up bonuses. And we're gonna go into more detail about like exactly what a sign-up bonus is and how it helps you. But I think that most people, when they first get into credit card rewards, they will sign up for a specific card that they know gets cash back on a certain thing. Like it could be, oh, I have a, Macy's credit card and I get cash back when I spend money at Macy's or Amazon or I fly United sometimes so I just only you know have my United card and I get cash back or like points towards United when I spend or it might be you know I have my one card that I know I get cash back each time I go to the grocery store um, that's fine and you can definitely it's a good way to earn some points earn some cash back earn some miles however where you're gonna like really get these big amount of points all at once and like be able to really put it towards like an entire free vacation is sign up bonuses yeah and a good way to illustrate that is that uh, recurring spending that you do and you get recurring rewards for that that's great but usually that's one or two or one or two points per dollar spent so if you're getting one point per dollar spent you'd have to spend $60,000 to get 60,000 points. 
Meanwhile, there's a lot of bonuses where you can get 60,000 points just for spending $3,000 in the first three months. So you get way more uh, bang for your buck in that situation where you're only spending 3,000 and earning 60,000 points versus if you just got a card purely for the everyday spending categories, uh, it takes a really long time to accumulate as many points. So what we've gotten into and what a lot of people have gotten into, um, you know, obviously we're not the first ones, there's tons of people out there that do this, they call it credit card churning. And it's where you get a card and you use it to the point where you get the sign up bonus and then you don't necessarily use that card anymore and then you get another card so you can get another sign up bonus. And so you're going through lots of cards. Um, and this is how Jared accumulated so many cards over time and me too, not quite to the extreme that he did because you're getting the most bang for your buck each time that you sign up for that new card with that new bonus rather than just having your one credit card that you're doing spending on consistently. Yeah, if you can consistently have a card that you're doing spending on to try to get the sign up bonus for these cards, um, that really helps. So that usually the sign up bonuses, you have to spend a certain amount in the first three months. And if you were really pushing it, you could probably get four cards in a year that way and then constantly just be moving on to the next card. Once you hit the spending requirement, you know, sign up for another one, meet that spending requirement, and you can accumulate a lot of points in a pretty short period of time that way. Yeah, and so in our first couple of years of doing it, we were actually really focused on just working as much as we could too. So we were working between like 48 and 50 weeks a year as travelers our first couple of years. And so we actually weren't doing that much travel for fun. Um, a weekend trip here or there, but we would mostly use Airbnb. We weren't really flying. So our first several years, we were just racking up points. Like we were just signing up for credit cards and then just banking them for later. And I have to tell you back when we first started traveling and Jared was like teaching me about all this, I didn't really see it. I was just like, what are we doing? Like, I don't, he, he was like, um, oh, well we have all these points and we have all these points, but then year three came and we planned an entire trip to Asia and I was like oh okay I see it now or the first time I really realized it was that like ten that like seven day trip to Jamaica where the entire trip was free we had like six or seven free nights and the um airline the flight was paid for and I was like oh this is what you've been doing yeah um so it was pretty sweet yeah and that was a really cool first trip uh and I kind of got Whitney hooked with that because we stayed at an all-inclusive resort the whole time we had free flights there and back we spent like $50 for the entire trip um, in Jamaica for, I think it was six days. So Yeah, and I was, was like, a... wow, like we did this just with credit cards. It was insane. Oh, and we had um, priority pass for airport lounges. So we were getting like free stuff at the Amex Platinum Lounge or something like that. So that was a pretty cool experience. And I hope that you guys will also see the fruits of your labor once you get um, one or two or three sign-up bonuses where you can get a free vacation and then you'll be like, dang, this is cool. All right, uh, rule four, be strategic with what card you sign up for and the order you sign up for them. Um, so the big thing to mention here is that Chase has a rule. Uh, Chase, the reason I, I'm talking about Chase is because Chase has a ton of really good credit card uh, sign-up bonuses. They've got probably, I don't know, they probably got 12 cards. They've got a ton of credit cards that, are, uh, that have great bonuses, specifically probably six or seven of those that I've gotten multiple times. So you wanna be able to get Chase cards. And Chase introduced a rule probably in 2016. Um, it was within like my first couple years of getting into credit card rewards uh, that they will not approve you for a new card if you've had more than five cards, five new cards in the last 24 months. So you have to be strategic with what card you're signing up for, how often you're signing up for cards. Um, and So that Chase rule, just to reiterate, 
um, they kind of the short name the short name for it is the 524 rule. So Chase was like realizing they were catching on that people were doing this and they were really not making any money off these people because the credit card companies only make money off those people that use credit cards the wrong way and carry balance and pay interest to the credit card companies. Honestly, but, Chase was probably looking at my file and they were like, this guy signed up for 18 cards this year. Uh, we shouldn't give him any more cards. So they caught on. So they were like, we're going to put a limit. You're not going to be able to be approved for any more cards if you've had five within the last 24 months. Now, keep in mind, this is not just five Chase cards. This is five of any credit card. So they will look at your credit history and be like, you've had three Chase cards and an American Express card and a Discover card in the last 18 months so you're not allowed to get any of our cards so there was a point in time where this this rule hit and we were like crap if we want to get like there was a certain chase card we wanted to get we had to go on like a hiatus from signing up for any cards till we hit our 24 mark um, and we were under the 524 rule so you have to keep that in mind and because of that rule it's usually a good idea to try to get chase cards early especially the really good sign up bonuses uh bonus cards like the chase sapphire preferred is a really good card that i would recommend getting early um, Chase has a Hyatt card that's usually really good depending on the sign-up bonus at the time. They've got an IHG card that's good. Um, they've got a United card, Southwest card. They've got a ton of really good cards. So make sure that you're going to sign up for those cards first or at least space your cards out enough that you're not getting over that 524 mark and keep track so that you're not going to apply for a card that you automatically get declined for because of that stupid rule. Yeah, and we're going to talk more about um, the strategies and tracking them. Um, the second uh, or another credit card company that has a rule like that is American Express. And they have a rule that you can only get each of their card once per lifetime. And there's some uh, debate about what a lifetime is in terms of American Express. Some people say that after seven years or so, you can apply for the same card again. But why that's important is you don't want to sign up for an American Express card unless the bonus is like one of the best bonuses they've ever offered on that card. Because once you get that card, you can never get that bonus again. So you have to keep that in mind. Um, some a lot of cards you can reapply for them after 24 months but American Express you cannot do that so it's very important to plan your American Express sign up bonuses accordingly um, the last one is consider how and when you use the points so have a plan for points like Whitney said we accumulated a ton in the beginning I was just kind of addicted to getting cards getting as many points as possible I was all excited about it but in reality I got some points that I haven't used six years later so what was the point of getting those points? Uh, specifically, I was thinking about, uh, I got an Alaskan Airlines card probably my first three months of uh, doing credit card rewards, and I still have those miles. We've never used that. So that was kind of a, a dumb one to get. Hopefully, eventually, we do use them, but it would be better if I had a plan to use those points right away. So I would recommend, if you're going to get a card, at least have an idea of what you might use those points for instead of just getting the points and then trying to figure it out later. So in order to be strategic, I know this sounds like a lot, um, and when we get down toward the end of this video, we're gonna talk more about like specific cards that Jared recommends, and he'll talk about some of the, um, like this is how much the signup offer is, and based on his experience, this is a good offer, because he's seen it in the past. There are also other websites out there, you guys will have to do some research, like, you know, search, oh, what's a good offer for this card? What have they offered in the past? Is it likely to come around again? So that way you're not just jumping on something because it's the, the first thing you see. Um, and again, you'll have to make sure to go and read up on it. It's called the 524 rule for Chase to make sure you're understanding that. Um, and then read up about the Amex offers too. The fifth rule, avoid credit card annual fees when possible. So some of these cards you'll get, like I said, a very common offer is 60,000 points after you spend $3,000 in the first three months. Um, sometimes that those cards almost always have an annual fee 
associated with them. Sometimes that annual fee will be waived the first year, but sometimes it won't be. And usually the annual fee for those types of cards is like $95 or $85 or somewhere in that range, somewhere around $100 for the annual fee. So sometimes you have to pay that, um, that annual fee the first year when you get it and you can't avoid it. But the points that you get are going to be more valuable than that fee. But after the first year, it doesn't usually make sense to keep that card and keep paying the annual fee on it because you've already gotten that sign up bonus. So you're not getting as much value in the second, third, fourth year. Some people will just sign up for these cards, they'll get the bonus, and then they'll just keep the card open. Don't use it that much, but they continue to pay the annual fee. I think that's kind of crazy. I would much rather get the bonus. If I have to pay an annual fee the first year to get that bonus, then I'll do it. But then as soon as that first year is up, I'll try to cancel the card. If the card doesn't have an annual fee, then I don't cancel it. I'll just keep it open. Or there's some situations where I'll try to downgrade the card if possible. So say I sign up for a card that has a $95 annual fee. I paid that the first year, I got the sign up bonus. Now the second year comes around, the annual fee is due again. I'll call and say, hey, do you have a card that doesn't have an annual fee so I don't have to pay this? I really wanna avoid this fee if possible. And almost always, they wanna keep you as a customer so they'll downgrade the card to one that doesn't have a fee and that, that's a win-win for everybody. You get to keep the card open um, and at the same time, you don't have to pay the fee. And the reason that that would be an advantage is sometimes it does, um, there are credit implications on your credit score. Um, and it might also affect your credit history if you're closing a lot of cards, which we're going to talk more about. It's, it's not as big of a deal as people make of it, but if you have the option to just downgrade it and it doesn't count as closing the account, it's just a different card that you won't have to pay a fee on, that's usually better. The only time I would say that uh, we keep cards that have annual fees are cards that have ongoing like anniversary type rewards. And two that come to mind is the Chase Hyatt card and the Chase IHG card. IHG is a hotel group as well, it's like Hyatt. Those cards you pay like, a, I think Hyatt is a $95 annual fee and I think the IHG card is like a- It's like 49, I think. Yeah, $50 annual fee. But you get a free hotel night each year for keeping that card open. We usually use those free hotel nights at really nice hotels that would be like $250 or $300 a night. So we feel like we get plenty of value from the card to keep it open. Um, but that's the only time that and we'll- And you also often, because you have the card and you have like, you'll keep like a um, status at the hotel. So sometimes they'll give you like late checkout or early check-in. Or free or breakfast or something. Free like upgrades. So in some cases it makes sense to keep the card if it has an annual fee. Um, but we've never kept one that has an annual fee more than $100 because the, most of those, we don't see the benefit of carrying it over. So there are some people who will keep them if they like, say they fly a lot and they really want to keep the priority pass and the upgrades on the plane or something like that. They might keep one that has like a two or $500 fee. We've never kept one that was over a hundred. Yeah. I think you can usually sign up for new cards that have those same benefits and get around keeping one uh, just for the benefits that it has because a lot of these cards have the same types of benefits like free lounge access, uh, free rental car insurance, purchase protection, those types of things. A lot of the premium cards already have that. So if you cancel an old one, sign up for a new one that you get a bonus on, you still have those benefits, which is nice. So just to review, we kind of put it in like a, a five-step thing for understanding credit card hacking. One, don't carry any credit card debt. Make sure you get your credit card debt taken care of, all paid off before you start trying to use them for rewards. Two, never carry a balance and never pay any interest or any late fees. Always pay off your statement every month. Number three, you're gonna get the most bang for your buck when you do sign-up bonuses and try to do a few of those a year, which we'll talk about in our recommendations. Four, be strategic with the cards that you select and when you get them, like in what order, um, in how many months you get them, and also keep in mind like 
how you would use the points. So if there's a point, uh, like a type of company, an airline or something that you might use more immediately, maybe prioritize getting that one before something else. Um, in particular, you want to check Chase's 524 rule and check about the Amex rules for um, only getting the card once in a lifetime and make sure you sign up strategically when they have a good bonus. And the fifth kind of guideline would be avoid annual fees where you can, usually cancel or downgrade it to avoid the annual fee unless the benefits that you're gonna get year over year greatly outweigh the low fee. All right, so if you guys have any questions about that, any of what we just talked about, feel free to ask those in the comments. We'll go over some common concerns. I've already seen some of these uh, in the, the comments already, so we'll address some of them. But if you have any questions that we don't cover or um, anything else you wanna ask about, feel free to ask that. Um, one of them was accruing interest and getting into debt using credit cards. Again, this just goes back to having some self-control. Um, we've actually been able to help some family members who previously used to have like a bad relationship with credit cards and use them the wrong way. We've been able to help them understand like, you know, make sure just to set yourself reminders, make sure to know your own limits, like make sure that if you really sign up for this card, you're really going to do it the right way. But that again goes back to just having self-discipline and knowing um, that you can be able to use it the right way so you don't get yourself in a bad situation. Yep, I've seen this a couple times in the comments already, but a common concern is, uh, won't my credit score go down by doing this? If I open and close a lot of cards, I'm pretty sure that hurts your credit score. Um, it really depends on how many cards you're opening at a time. So for me, a good example of this, I started, my credit score was somewhere between like 770, 780, somewhere in that range. And I opened 18 in a year, and my credit score dropped to about 750. So that's like a 20 or 30 point drop, but that's 18 cards. Um, since then, I've opened, uh, let's see, another 34 cards or so in the next five years. So that's more, obviously a more moderate pace than 18 in a year. And my credit score is over 800 now. So it's actually gone up since I started doing this and I've opened 52 cards in six years. So no, it does not hurt your credit score nearly as much as you think it would. It's usually, it, it can if you open a ton at, at, a, at one time, but it's usually just a temporary drop and it took about uh, maybe two years for my credit score to completely recover from opening all those cards in the beginning and then get above where it was prior. Um, the big reason for that is when you open a credit card, you have a hard inquiry on your credit score and that can decrease your uh, credit score if you get a bunch of those, but they only last for, I think it's two years or maybe four years that they stay on, I think it's two years. It's either, yeah, something like that. Um, that they stay on your credit report and then they fall off and then um, it basically reverts to the mean or goes back to what it was. So um, opening closing cards is not as big of a deal as you think. The other thing that sometimes helps your credit score when you do this is you get higher credit limits. One of the biggest factors on your credit score is what is your uh, utilization ratio. So of the credit you have available, how much of that is your, are you using? If you're using a lot of your available credit, that's a red flag for creditors because they're like, this person, uh, they're at risk of running up their credit card balance and then not paying the, uh, the, the payment and then we'll, they could bankrupt it. So if your utilization ratio is really high, then that's a bad thing. Your creditors look negatively on that, that affects your credit score. So if you sign up for cards and you get a much higher um, limit on those cards, so let's say you have five cards and each one has a $4,000 limit, then you have $20,000 of available credit. And then let's say you're doing spending on a card and you only have $1,000 on those cards. If you only have 1,000 out of 20,000 that you're using, you, your utilization ratio is only 5% at that point, and uh, that's a very positive impact on your credit score. Yeah. So uh, that usually outweighs 
the negative impact of those hard inquiries, at least in our experience. Yeah, so there's a few different factors to know on what um, credit card companies look at in terms of your credit score, uh, or what affects your credit, credit score, I guess. Um, so one of them is that utilization ratio that Jerry was talking about. Um, one of it is like the number of hard pulls or credit inquiries. Also the length of credit history. So if any of you guys have ever had any like financial counseling from your parents and people will say like, oh, you need to like get start building your credit early in your life, early in your career. So getting like a low, um, just like a small card that has like a, a low, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Limit. Yeah. Um, to start with, like even when you're young is really helpful because then you have a longer credit history building credits back when you were 18 or whatever. So your credit history, um, the number of on-time payments. So the more you start to have on-time payments every month, that's going to look better for you. Um, so there's a lot more factors that they look at beyond just those hard inquiries. So if you have positive marks on all these other things, these inquiries are not going to be um, so hard on your credit. Um, so Colleen asked, how does closing the card affect your credit score? So closing a card doesn't necessarily affect your credit score unless it increases your utilization ratio like we talked about. So if you, by closing the card, it reduces your credit limit, your total credit limit, and then your utilization ratio is higher, then that will negatively, negatively impact you. The other thing is uh, your average age of credit. If you're closing too many cards like after a year, then your average credit age is going to be less, which can neg negatively impact you. So ideally, you keep some of the cards open more long-term, cards with, that don't have annual fees, you know, just do a couple purchases on them per year, keep the card open, and that helps to negate some of the, the closing cards that you'd be doing. You still have some of yours from back when you were like 18, right? I still have a card from when I was 18, yeah. So he has a lot longer credit history than I do. Not a lot longer, but you know, like six or seven years. Um, okay. Okay, and so the one question somebody, a couple of you guys had asked is, what if, um, what if I can't qualify for a credit card because either your income is too low or in some people's cases, like what if your credit score is too low? So this kind of goes back to what I was talking about when I was 18. I couldn't get approved. My, my income was very low. I couldn't get approved for these premium type cards that have these really high bonuses, but I could get approved for cards that had like a $50 bonus once you do your first purchase or something like that. Credit card companies are, they have the, these entry level cards that they're a lot more lenient They'll accept people with uh, lower income or lower credit scores for those cards. If your credit score is really low, or maybe if you have a zero income, if you're a student and you don't have any credit history, then you might get declined for even the entry level cards. And in that case, you wanna look at things called secured credit cards. And basically the way the secured credit card works is you send them like say $500 to put on your card, and then you can spend up to $500. So that's your credit limit. It's like basically they're not taking any risk on you because if you don't make the payment, they already have your money. So basically it gives you an opportunity to build your credit with them not taking any risk on you. So a secured card is like the best place to start for people that don't have any credit at all and they can't get approved for any other cards. That's but, cool, I actually didn't know about that one. Yeah. Um, and that'll really help you guys because then it's like, it's like getting your foot in the door. So then hopefully, and I had to do this too when I was um, a student, I think I did have a part-time job. So I maybe put a little bit of income but not much at all. I was like in PT school and just had like a really, really part-time job. Um, so Jared just helped me to identify a card that had a low um, credit limit that I would be able to qualify for. And then once you know you start to build your credit history, your on-time payments, um, your length of history, you might even be able to call the credit card company and ask them if they would be willing to raise your limit, your credit limit, and then that'll improve your utilization ratio because now you're still gonna be making your on-time payments, paying it down to zero, but your limit is higher and then you'll be more inclined to get um, approved for the next card and the next card. One other thing I've done um, in the past that can help you to either increase your credit score 
if you if you don't have one, like say you're a student, you don't have any income, you don't really have a credit history, is to see if one of your parents has a card that, you know, say they have a very good credit score and they have a card they've had for a long time. Sometimes they can add you as an authorized user on that card and that will increase your credit score. So I did that for my brother. My brother's 10 years younger than me. So when he turned 18, I added him as an authorized user on one of my cards. I don't actually let him spend on that card, but it helps his credit having that associated with his name, uh, his social security number. So um, if you have someone that has good credit in your life that can add you as an authorized user, you don't even have to have access to the card. If you're just on the account, then that will help with your credit score and getting approved for future cards. Yeah, that's a really good strategy. So definitely utilize some of those for those of you guys that are students or looking to just get your foot in the door. Um, now, another common question that we get when it comes to credit card churning, especially to the extent that Jared and I have done it like 18 cards in a year, which again is extreme, but a lot of people will say, well, how did you meet the minimum spending requirements? Because a lot of these cards where you have to spend 3000 in three months and you, you can't just go spending $3,000 that you don't have because you need to pay off the statement balance, right? Like, so if you just don't have that much stuff to spend on and you can't pay that much every month, how are we meeting these spending requirements? Um, well, most cards, at least the, the more, so there's tiers of cards. There's like entry level cards, there's like premium cards, and there's like the, the elite type cards. And those are usually the ones that have really high annual fees, like $500. For the most part, we're not signing up for a ton of those cards unless they have um, really good value. Uh, we have gotten almost all of them at some point, but they're not ones that we're regularly getting or like reapplying for or anything like that. Um, so, so back then when we were doing a lot, like back to back, which again, I'm not telling you guys to do it to that extreme. We definitely had to get creative with our spending. Um, we would usually both be trying to spend on the card. So we would use it for just every single purchase we possibly could. We would pay ahead on like our car insurance premiums, like go ahead and pay the six months up front. We would try to pay anything we could on the card. If it really got down to the wire, we might do things like buy um, Amazon gift cards or grocery store gift cards or gas gift cards to get that spending done and then utilize those gift cards later. Um, but I think for a lot of people, it's not gonna be realistic to, well, and also I think it helps because there's two of us sometimes for one card. Um, if it's not realistic for you to do that much spending, I think it's a lot more realistic for most people to get between two to four new cards a year. And that's a lot more reasonable for you to be able to meet the spending limits. Um, so definitely keep that in mind when if you're trying to meet a spending limit to get a sign-up bonus. To be honest, I don't even think it's probably possible to do what I did back in 2015 now. The, the credit card companies have gotten more strict on their rules. I don't think you could sign up for 18 cards even if you really planned it out and tried to do that now. So, and, and even if you could, I would not recommend it. That was a stressful thing to do. Uh, it was hard keeping track of all of that stuff and uh, it stressed me out. So I wouldn't do that. I would stick with two to four so that the spending requirement is more reasonable. And uh, yeah, like Whitney said, often overlooked is that you can go and buy like Amazon gift cards at the grocery store that you know you'll use in the future. So that will count toward your spending now and then you just use those cards later when you don't have to do spending on a card. Um, or buy gift cards for that grocery store. You're probably gonna buy groceries there, so buy them now and then do that later. As long as you have the money to pay for that now, then it's a, uh, there's no downside to that for you. The only thing you don't want to do is don't buy just like a Visa gift card because then you have to pay a fee on that card and it's just not as, yeah, as I would, good of an I would not buy the prepaid uh, like Visa or MasterCards. Yeah. Another um, question that we occasionally would get from travelers who are trying to think about like, okay, they're actively out on travel assignments. How would you sign up for new cards and actually physically get the card? because the credit card companies will mail it to your permanent address and you can't really ask them to just mail it to any address 
because that would be suspicious. They might think it's fraud. They might think that somebody else is trying to sign up for the card. So typically when you sign up for a new card, it's going to get ma mailed to your permanent address. So you will need to arrange some way to either be home to get the card or have somebody who can check your mail and send the card to you. Also, sometimes there are certain cards that like when you sign up and get approved online, it'll say, do you want to get your card number now? And it'll display it on the screen for like two minutes so you can write it down. And then you could get started on the spending for like online spending. You could add that card to your Amazon account or something and start spending on it until you have time to get the physical card. Yep. Um, one last thing people worry about is the points expiring. This is going to vary depending on which card, which points you have. So I would recommend when you start this, when you get a new card, look up their rules in terms of when the points expire. Some of them, the points never expire, so you don't even have to worry about it. Some, I think the, the worst is the points will expire after 24 months of inactivity on the account. And inactivity, I mean, that's any activity at all. So if you keep the card and you just make a purchase every year, like one purchase a year, then that will keep it active. So points expiring is usually not a big deal unless you're like me and you got Alaska Airline miles six years ago and you still haven't used them, then you kind of have to think about that. But if you're getting cards and you're using them regularly, using the points regularly, then you probably won't have to worry about expirations. But it's always a good idea to check and make sure nothing's going to expire. Along with that, people will sometimes ask if it's one of those cards that you cancel after the first year, will you lose the points? And it depends. Um, if they're directly tied to that credit card company, you might. And usually when you go to cancel the card, they'll let you know. They'll be like, well, you have all these points. Um, did you know that? But if they're associated with a third party, so if it's like the Chase Southwest card, then they're gonna be associated with your Southwest Airlines miles account. So even if you ch close that credit card, they'll still be in your Southwest Airlines account. But you definitely wanna double check that before you close any cards, maybe even call them and ask them and just make sure that it's in that other account. Yep, all right, so next is we're gonna go over our recommendations for you guys, what we would do if we were starting over now, what we do currently, uh, we'll go through some of your questions first. I see a lot of questions and comments. And again, if you could like this video, we'd really appreciate it. Yep. But um, after we go through a couple of comments and questions, we're going to get into like how can you go about implementing this. And we'll also talk about some of the current offers and recommendations. Um, Joel wants to know, can you use the credit card to pay for your monthly car bill or loan? To be honest, neither of us have ever had a car loan. So I'm, I'm, I would imagine you can, but it's probably gonna, going to depend on who you have the loan through because same with like utilities. Sometimes you can pay your utilities online with a credit card. Sometimes you have to mail in a check. So it really depends on who you got the loan through. But I would imagine that um, they would support that. I can't imagine uh, they want to get their money somehow. They don't care how you pay it. So chances are you, you could do that. But definitely get creative. Like look at your monthly bills and call and ask if you're allowed to pay with a credit card. Sometimes they'll let you, but there'll be a fee. So then you have to decide would it outweigh the fee depending on what it is. Okay, um, Santiago wants to know, if you meet the spending requirements before the deadline, for example, within the first three months, do you have to wait the full three months before you earn the points or rewards? Usually not. Usually as soon as you meet the spending requirement, um, that's more like you have this amount of time, but you can meet the requirement at any time during that period. And usually as soon as you meet the requirement, they, they post the points to your account, or sometimes it'll be the next statement closing date. So whenever your statement closes, then they'll add the points to your account. So earlier Nadine said, I was looking at the Sapphire Preferred, but it has a $95 annual fee. And I think we kind of addressed that. And then Thomas yeah. also commented and said, he thinks that card is worth the fee. If you apply in person at a local branch, they will waive the fee for the first year. So it's well worth the fee. You can find offers online sometimes for the annual fee to be waived, but even if not, 
minimum 60,000 points is the offer right now. Earlier this year, just like less than a month ago, I think the offer was 100,000 points for that card. And that 100,000 points or 60,000 right now is worth a minimum of $750. And that's just if you cash them in for um, grocery store type purchases, you can redeem those points for offsetting prior expenses for things like grocery store, restaurants, things like that. So a minimum $750. But if you use those points at uh, airline partners like United and Southwest are an airline partner of Chase and so is Hyatt. And uh, for example, we stay at a lot of Hyatt hotels that are 5,000 points that would normally cost like $150. So in that situation, you're getting basically three cents per point that you use, which would make that $60,000 or uh, 60,000 points on a bonus worth like $1,800. So you can get a ton of value from those points and it's well worth a $95 annual fee. When in, in doubt, if you're trying to learn if something is worth it or not, just Google like what would the point value for Chase Ultimate Rewards points be? Or what would the point value? And there's a lot of bloggers out there, like financial bloggers that will say like, even if you just cashed it out, it would be worth this, but you could get more value by transferring it to these partners. And then you can kind of gauge like, oh, I'm getting all this and I'm only paying 95. Um, so you can gauge there. Yeah, trust me, I don't like annual fees either, but those cards are very valuable and uh, I, I happily pay the annual fee for the amount of value I get. Joel wants to know, how far in advance should I get a sign-up bonus if I want to travel to Asia slash the Philippines in March of next year? I would get on it now because so it's not a, not only just a thing about earning the points, but also when you redeem the points, sometimes the reward redemptions for things like flights fill up quickly. So usually they'll release the seats and the reward, um, I guess the reward seats for these flights like six months in advance. And if it's a very popular route, then sometimes they'll fill up very quickly. So you wanna get them as soon as possible and try to book your travel as early as you can to make sure that you, you get the seats or the hotel that you want. So what Jared means is if you go on, um, for example, say it's like United or whatever, if you go on their website and you're just gonna be a cash customer, um, you know, obviously seats can fill up and you should get your tickets anytime you're flying as far in advance as possible, but they'll reserve certain seats that you can use what are called reward bookings. So when you're selecting like your flight, you would say change it from looking at cash to points or miles. And they may only have a certain number of seats available to redeem with points. Um, so it's important to get that done as far in advance as possible. Yeah. Um, Nadine wants to know, is it bad for your credit if you stop using the card after you get your bonus? It's not bad. Um, as long as the card's still open, it doesn't really affect anything. So I just leave the card. If it doesn't have manual fee, I'll keep it open. If it's a card that I want to keep, then I'll do spending on it. If not, I'll just leave it open. And if they close it because of inactivity, then I don't really care. All right, so ask any more questions that you guys have in the comments. We're going to go over some recommendations for you guys, like how to implement these strategies. So like we mentioned, I think our biggest recommendation, if you want to... Um, get the best bang for your buck in terms of credit cards is to get the sign-up bonuses. And the easiest way to do that is to probably go for somewhere between two and four new cards per year, probably starting with Chase cards because they're the hardest to get. If you So say you didn't do that and you got eight new cards in your first two years, well now you can't get any more Chase cards until you drop below that 524 rule. So think about that, but probably somewhere between two and four cards a year is a good amount that you can get some free trips, but you're not really stressing yourself out trying to remember like, what do I have to do for that card? And when is the annual mm -hmm. fee due and, and all that? It, it's stressful, so and with that's that, a good number. With that said, what we really recommend, because as you can see, there's a lot of moving pieces here that you do need to keep track of. It's really important that you guys start yourself like a spreadsheet where you're gonna keep track of which credit cards you signed up for. Um, we usually put on our spreadsheet, like the date we signed up for it, the name of the card, the requirements. So if it's like 3,000 in three months, and then you get this. 
So that way you want to actually look at the dates you signed up because I just saw somebody commented and said like, I missed a bonus one time by 50 bucks. Yeah, that's So you really want to make sure that you get your spending done within the time limit so you haven't done it all for nothing and you get your points. You want to write down on your spreadsheet if it has an annual fee, that way you can decide. Well, right when you get the card, you're going to probably decide, is this going to be one I'm going to keep with the annual fee or I'm going to cancel it after the first year? So you'd want to set yourself a little reminder like on your calendar, like this is the date I need to cancel it. But it's not the end of the world if you forget to cancel it because usually what you'll see, you'll see the fee post, you'll see the annual fee post on your statement and you'll be like, crap, I meant to cancel that card. So you'll just call them and cancel it and then they take the fee away. So not the end of the world, but again, you want to keep track of all this stuff. Then also it makes it easier for you when you're tracking things like the 524 rule because without having to pull your own credit report, you can just look at your spreadsheet and be like, okay, I got this one in October and I got this one in January and you can just keep track of that yourself. Two other things I'd also have on the spreadsheet when you make it is when you got the bonus for the card and when you close that card. So have just a column so that you know when you received the bonus and when you closed it. And the reason that's important is because some of these cards, like I said, I've gotten, uh, I think I've gotten the Chase Hyatt card like four times now because you can get it again every 24 months. So I'll keep it open for like 22 months. I'll close it. After it's been 24 months since I got the bonus, I'll sign up for it again. And I'll, do the, I'll repeat that over and over and over and keep getting those Hyatt points. So you wanna know when you closed it and to make sure that if, if it's a card that has a requirement of waiting 24 months or 48 months, you know exactly when you got the bonus so that you can get it again if it's a card that you wanna get again. Yep. Now, when you're strategizing, if you're just getting started with this, uh, we are gonna go over some specific cards that are good. You definitely wanna get some of those like lower tier cards at first, just to get your foot in the door, just to make sure you're gonna get approved, um, start building your credit. And then later on, once you know that your credit score is going up, you know that you've been able to pay off your balance and use low utilization, pay it every month, um, then you can start you know, strategizing to get more of those like travel hacking cards. So in the beginning, you may just be doing like your general cash back kind of cards. They might have just a really basic sign-on bonus or no sign-on bonus at all, and that's fine when you're just getting started. Um, but there's some good ones that you might just wanna use as general everyday cards that might have like 1% on all purchases and 2% at gas stations and 3% at grocery stores. A lot of those entry-level cards will also have like what they call rotating categories where it'd be like from January to March, you get 5% cash back at grocery stores and from April to whatever, you get 5% cash back here. So those would be the types of cards you're probably gonna start with. And then once you get um, good with that, then you may start looking at some like airline cards and some hotel cards so you can start planning trips. Yep. Um, another thing that's important is to know if like, if the card you're earning points on, you can transfer that to partners, like the airlines and hotels. Uh, for the most part, there's only really three types of points that you can earn that would transfer to other, um, their partners is what they call it. So airline partners or hotel partners, and that is Chase Ultimate Rewards, American Express Membership Rewards, and City Thank You Points. So those points, they're like these, uh, I would call them like wildcard points, right? So you earn them, you could cash them in if you want, but that's not gonna be a great value. Usually it's just one cent per point. Um, so like, for example, the Chase uh, Sapphire card, if you just cash them in strictly for a statement credit, uh, you'd get $600 for that 60,000 points. But you can transfer those points to their partners. And like I said, my three favorite are Southwest, United, and Hyatt. And you can get a lot more value from those points by transferring them. So make sure you know which partners the points will transfer to, um, which ones you might want to use, and when it's a good idea to transfer them and not. 
uh, and, and that all depends on the type of card and the type of travel you do, what airlines you fly on, what hotels you stay in, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so first you obviously have to choose the card you're going to get based on the reason that you want to get it. And then make sure to do some Googling, do some research once you've acquired the points to get the best value out of them. Because there's so many times where it'll be like, oh, you, did you know you can, it'll like show you a message like you can use your points to redeem for gift cards or you can use your points to on Amazon or you can redeem your points for um, a cash back on, on your statement, like a statement credit. Or did you know you can use your points? And so it'll try to like advertise things to you, but you'd want to like quick Google it and be like, is this a good use of my points? Should I do that? Or it'll even tell you things you could buy. It could be like, you have this many points, you could buy this watch. And you'd be like, oh, that's cool, I want to get that watch. But if you had used the points for something else, you would have gotten way more value out of them. So make sure to do research once you've accumulated points on what's the best way to utilize them. And it's going to differ for every card. Another really important thing that people often overlook, I get, I get messages about this, um, know how much the points are generally worth. Um, and a good example of this is Hilton is a hotel chain and you can earn Hilton points. Hyatt is a hotel chain and you can earn Hyatt points. You might look at the Hilton card right now, I think there's a Hilton card that earns 150,000 points. You'd be like, 150,000 points, that's a ton of points. I wanna get those points. Hyatt often has offers for 60,000 points. You'd be like, well, if I had to choose between those, I'm gonna go with the Hilton card, that's way more points. I would much rather have 60,000 Hyatt points than Hilton point, than having 150,000 Hilton points because the Hyatt points are way more valuable. We book Hyatt hotels all the time for 5,000 points, whereas Hilton hotels are often 30 or 40,000 points. So know the value of those points before you just say, 100,000 points, I'll take that one because it could be points that are not very valuable. So again, just Google it. There are bloggers out here, like travel hacking bloggers out here that will show you a chart of like the point values. Jared only knows this because he's done a ton of research on it. Like you're not just gonna know off the top of your head how much the points are worth because these companies, they just like make an arbitrary point value. Like some, some hotel chains, it's like 5,000 for a hotel and some hotel chains, it's 60,000 for a hotel night. So just Google it. And along those same lines is when you redeem points for like say a hotel stay, it's good to know what value you're getting from those points uh, for that specific booking. So again, going back to the Hyatt example, let's say we book a Hyatt hotel for 5,000 points. Well, they might have a 5,000 point hotel that we could have booked for $60. And in another city, it might be a 5,000 point hotel that would, that would cost us $180 out of pocket. The, the actual cash value of those, those hotels can vary massively, even though the point value is the same. So before you book a hotel with points, see what it would cost out of pocket. And sometimes it makes more sense to book it with cash and save those points for a better redemption, just depending on the situation. So I'm always asking Jared this because we travel a lot. Like we just got back from a road trip and it was like, oh, we need a place to stay in Dallas. And I'd be like, well, do we have some points or some nights we could use? And so then he'll just like quick do some searches and be like, well, we have this many points, but this is kind of like undervalued or overvalued. He's like, maybe we should just save it where we could get more value, you know, when we go to Europe next or whatever. And so you have to kind of compare and contrast. The other thing you want to compare and contrast, certain companies, like for example, the Hyatt card, when you have your annual fee, every year when you pay your annual fee, they give you what's called one free night. And it'll say that you can use that free night at any category blank to blank hotel. So you can use it at these, you know, maybe it's category one through four. And so obviously if they're gonna let you use it either at their lowest tier or their highest tier, if you can, you wanna try to use it at your highest tier. So utilize a free night on a high value hotel. You don't wanna waste it on, you know, a Holiday Inn. 
um, versus the points, obviously you're paying the exact value that they state that it is. But when it comes to free nights, try to maximize those free nights instead of just going with like a low tier hotel. Yeah, and another example of trying to strategize in terms of your point redemptions, uh, this one kind of hurt me recently. We booked a hotel in Hawaii that for five nights cost us like, I think it was 280,000 Hilton points. And you know, it was a nice place in Hawaii, it was on the beach, it was really awesome. But knowing that I could have used those points probably for 20 or 30 nights in other places, uh, you know, that kind of hurt. So think about those kind of things. When you redeem for these really awesome resorts and stuff, it uses a lot of your points. So you kind of think about what kind of traveler you are. Are you someone that really wants to have an awesome experience? You want to spend all of your points on just a few nights? Or do you want to kind of spread them out and get more of like a mid-tier hotel or um, you know, an, an economy flight instead of using all your points? So then you have points for more trips. Yeah. And uh, we're definitely more on the side of using the points more sparingly to, to use them for more trips instead of just going for like the... Uh, you know, the extravagant hotel stay. For a couple examples, we used, what'd you say, was it Hilton points we used at that hotel? We used like 250,000 Hilton points for only five nights in Hawaii. Whereas we used about 250,000 Hilton points for about 25 nights in Europe, in, yeah. in, in Eastern Europe. Um, we were getting like 5,000 point a night hotels and they weren't like resorts on a beach in Hawaii, but they were good hotels in the cities that we wanted to be in, and we got 25 nights. Yeah. So, you know, it just kind of depends. And same thing with airlines. Like, we'll be like, oh, we have these miles for, you know, um, Delta or whatever. And it's like, well, if we flew first class, we'd use all of our miles. But if we flew, you know, economy class, then we might could go further or use more, um, get more flights out of it. Yeah, so, so uh, an example of that is there's one way first class flights, like these really nice seats that you can go from the US to Europe, that would probably cost you 80,000 points. But if you just fly economy and you don't take the first class flight, it might cost you 30,000 points. So you can really save a lot there. And again, it all depends on the type of traveler you are. If you really value that first class experience, then, then spend the points. But if you don't, you can really spread them out more. Yeah, so there's a lot of different ways here. Once you get into the credit card game, you start deciding which are the right cards for you to sign up for. And then once you've earned the points, deciding how you're going to optimize utilizing those points to your advantage. So let's um, let's go over some good cards. So um, like I mentioned earlier, if you guys want to go to travelTherapyMentor.com slash credit, Jared um, periodically will update which cards he recommends and he has them broken down into categories. So I'm gonna pull up our page and um, read off some of the current offers he just updated this the other day. Uh, we also have just like a little blurb of recommendations on there, kind of summarizing some of the, the strategies we've talked about here. So if you want to review, again, it's travelTherapyMentor.com slash credit. Uh, I, I can just tell you which cards I would recommend. Well, real quick, um, okay. he categorized them. He has a category best for beginners. So this category is gonna be your entry level cards, your just like basic cash back cards. His next category is best for transferable points. So you're gonna be, these are ones you might wanna sign up for and transfer the points to partners and he talks about which partners might be good. Um, he has another one that's best for cash back, not necessarily an entry level card, but if you're somebody who wants to utilize cash back. Best for free flights, so he has a couple of airline cards there and then best for hotel nights. Yeah, so if you're a beginner or you have like a limited credit history or something like that, I think the Freedom uh, Flex card from Chase is a really good card to start with. Um, the spending requirement is very reasonable, $500 in three months, pretty much everyone can do that without an issue. And you get a $200 bonus, or you get 
basically uh, 20,000 chase points. Um, and with that card, you can't specifically transfer those points. So you could cash them in for $200, or you could wait until you get a premium chase uh, card like the Chase Sapphire Preferred, and you can transfer those points over, and then they can be, uh, the Chase Sapphire Preferred can transfer them out. But very minimum, you're getting $200 by spending $500. That's a very good card to start with, and their requirements are pretty low. And like Whitney talked about, they have the 5% rotating categories, which can be valuable too. We always try to max those out if we can. Yep, and again, he kind of has all this written here. So if you guys just visit the website, he has the pros, the cons, what the requirements are. And he also has links to where you can go directly to the offer. And of course, you wanna read all the fine print on the offer to make sure you understand your requirements. And then when you, when you do decide to sign up for it, you'll wanna put that on your spreadsheet so you see all the requirements. Um, I will also point out that on this website, he put links to like our specific referral links. So if you guys do go through um, like and decide to get one of these cards, we would really appreciate it if you do use our referral links. You still get the exact same offer as if you just typed in chase.com and signed up for it, but um, it'll help us out because we'll get referral you know, points that'll help us to continue to be able to run our business and travel and do cool things. And we would just really appreciate yeah, it. Well, they're not all referral links anyway. It's just if there was a card that I already have, which I've gotten all these cards in the past, some of them don't have referral programs, but if they did, I put our link. If not, then it's just a link to the card. Yeah, And again, you get the same bonus either way. So we'd appreciate the support if there is a referral link. Um, so all the cards I'm talking about right now are chase cards because I think it's the smart thing to do to start with chase cards for the reasons I mentioned earlier. Uh, chase Sapphire for per, for per, preferred right now is uh, 60,000 points after you spend 4,000 in the first 90 days. I think that's a pretty good offer. Like I said, earlier this year it was 100,000 points, but that was a very rare offer. Um, they've never had that before. And uh, Chase Sapphire Preferred, I got that card in 2015. So it's been around for at least six, seven, eight years now. Um, and I've never seen an offer that high. So chances are that might not come back and uh, 60,000 is their, their usual offer. And uh, if you, if you're in a position to get the card, I probably would get it now instead of waiting and hoping for a higher offer. That's a good one. That 60,000 points is, is very valuable. We know tons of people that really love the Chase Sapphire Preferred. Also, um, just random bonus. I use that one a lot, uh, my Chase Sapphire Preferred. It's like a metal card, and I get so many comments if I hand it to a person at a place. They're like, this card's heavy. It's like metal. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of cool. Um, but I think the best offer right now is the Southwest Plus card. Um, you get 50,000 Southwest miles after spending $2,000 in the first 90 days, and then you can get a, an additional 50,000 miles after spending 12,000 in the first 12 months. So $12,000 is a lot of money to spend, but having 12 months to do it, uh, I would say most people can probably do that. And uh, 100,000 Southwest points is valuable. So they kind of have a system where when you redeem your points, it kind of is like a fixed cash value, and it's somewhere around 1.33 cent per point which means that that 100,000 points is worth about $1,300 in Southwest flights. And Southwest, in our opinion, is the best airline for domestic flights and to the Caribbean. We've used it a lot for uh, our domestic travels and flying down to like uh, Jamaica, Aruba, places in the Caribbean, so. Especially if you're near one of their hubs, unfortunately, it's a little bit inconvenient for us to get to one of their hubs, like four or five hour drive or have to get like a regional flight to get there. But if you live closer to a bigger city where they have a hub, it's really, really good. So right now, uh, like I said, offers come and go, they change. I try to update this um, 
this site regularly as the offers change, but uh, like the, the Hyatt card right now, it's 30,000 points. I think that's probably one of the best hotel offers right now, but I still don't think I would get that card right now because the offer fluctuates a lot and 30,000 is pretty low. It's been as high as 60,000 in the past, so I probably wouldn't get that now. I would probably stick with more of the, the three I mentioned. But Yeah, so maybe, but you put it on there because we both have had the Hyatt card and gotten really good value. Yeah. We've used so many Hyatt nights. so. Um, maybe just keep that on your watch list for later on, like check back and see if the offer changes for that Hyatt card. Um, actually, hold oh on. gosh. Sorry, close that. Oh, I'm here. Um, yeah, so that offer, it, it's, a, it's a weird offer. It's 30,000 Hyatt points after the first 3,000 spending in the first 90 days. And then you also get two additional points per dollar spent in the first six months, up to 30,000 more points. So it's not a terrible offer. It's still decent, but it's uh, it's hard to get that. You'd have to spend fifteen thousand dollars, I guess, in your first three months to get the full amount, the full sixty thousand. So uh, I would wait for maybe a better offer, unless you really want high points. Yeah. So check out that um, list of recommendations. Again, we're going to update it periodically. It's at traveltherapymentor.com slash credit. Um, there's a lot of other really good cards that we've gotten huge value out of. Like we really got a lot of value in the past when there was a good offer for our um, Delta Airlines card. Um, we had the Amex Platinum before and got a lot of value out of that, although it had a high annual fee. Um, we got the Southwest Companion Pass last year by getting one of these offers and uh, doing spending on the card to get the Companion Pass. And that basically is like buy one, get one free flights on Southwest. And if you do that 100,000 point offer, there's a pretty good chance that you can get the 120,000 points you need in a calendar year to get that uh that card, so We've also, the companion pass. Also in the past gotten a ton of value out of the Hilton um, hotel chain credit cards. I think we've each had that one twice maybe. Oh yeah. Um, we've They've stayed got three at different so cards. many free Hiltons, so um, we'll keep an eye out for when a good um, offer comes up on that one and let you guys know as well. Um, and again, just to reiterate, like we would really appreciate, since we've taken the time to do a lot of this research and teach you guys about it, if you would use our referral link if, if there is one on the page. Um, so yeah, we'll just kind of wrap up here and recap a little bit of what we talked about. If you guys have any lingering questions you want us to answer, type them in the comments. If you have learned something from this video and gotten value of, out of it, please hit the thumbs up button. We would appreciate it. Um, it will help us to get more people to see this video so they can learn too. Um, so just as kind of an overview and a recap, there's going to be some like beginner stage cards and some more advanced cards, and there's going to be some more beginner strategies and advanced strategies. Yeah, for it, most beginners, try to build up your credit so that you can get approved for the more advanced cards. Get used to the idea of doing the spending. Like I said, a card like the Chase Freedom card where you only have to spend $500 and you still get a decent bonus, that's a really good card to start with and just get your feet wet with it. Make sure that you feel comfortable doing this. Like I said, there are some people that don't trust themselves with credit cards. And if that's you, then credit card rewards are not for you. Like just get rid of credit cards, don't worry about it. But if you're the type of person that can trust yourself to pay off the balance every month, not spend more than you can afford, then this is a really good way to make money from your credit cards instead of like most people being taken advantage of by your credit cards. Yeah, absolutely. So in the beginning, if all of this sounds like really overwhelming, just start with one of those beginner cards. Just get your feet wet with getting cash back. I mean, that's better than nothing because you can just literally get one to 5% on your everyday spending. And that's really great if you can just redeem for statement credits. And then that's helping you meet your financial goals in other ways because you're saving on your everyday purchases. It's helping you to put more money into savings instead of spending it. Um, so that's a really great place to start. It can be as simple or as complicated as you want to make it. Um, if you get pretty comfortable with it and you want to start dipping your toe more into like the travel credit cards for hotels and airlines, there's lots of ways you can optimize that. 
But even if you're just content, like getting one or two new credit cards a year and getting one you know, free flight every couple years, that's great too. Um, if you wanna delve more deep into it, definitely read some of Jared's uh, finance articles on our um, Fifth Wheel PT blog at Fifth Wheel PT and click on the finance section, or there's tons of other travel bloggers out there that specifically talk about, um, you'd wanna search um, travel hacking or credit card hacking or credit card churning to learn about all these strategies. Make sure to do some research when you do sign up for a card so that you can make sure it's, it's a good bonus. Um, understand how to get the most out of those points that you're using. Um, so you can you know, just optimize it and as much as possible. Make sure you keep track of all the cards you get, the date you got them, the date you closed them, the date you got the bonuses, the requirements. Make sure that you're not missing anything because, you know, like someone mentioned in the comments, missing a bonus by a small amount of money is really frustrating. Uh, my brother actually, he signed up for his first card ever. I taught him all about credit card rewards and he missed the bonus by like a couple days and uh, he was all upset about it. So you don't want that to happen. Make sure that you keep track of those things so that you, you don't lose out. Yep. So if you guys have any questions, feel free to put them in the comments or you can send us a private message. Um, hopefully this was educational for you guys and hopefully you can utilize some of these strategies. It's really been a huge game changer for us, um, especially with the flexibility of our travel healthcare careers, being able to take those long trips and not break the bank while doing it. Yeah. and. It's crazy to say, but like I said, I've gotten 1.5 million points over the years now. Whitney's probably got another million points. So between us, 2.5 million points. Um, and we've used that for so, so much value. Uh, we've probably, we're going to try to add it up tonight, but it's uh, kind of a hassle. But we've probably gotten somewhere around 80 free hotel nights, I would say, in six years. And probably between the two of us, 20 to 30 free flights. And if I had to value those things along with the other points we have, we've probably gotten forty or $50,000 in value from those cards. So that is, it's not just like a, a, a hobby where you, uh, or you know, something where you're doing it and you're not really getting value. You can really make a lot from the cards or get a lot of value in free travel. Yep. All right, guys, hopefully this is helpful. Let us know if you have any questions. Again, hit that thumbs up button if you did learn something. Check out the website at traveltherapymentor.com slash credit if you wanna get signed up for some of those cards. Yep, all right, guys, take care. Bye.